1: Thanks for listening to another edition of Cavs the Blog Podcast. I'm Tom Pestak, joined by Nate Smith and David Wood. We had uh, 70 degrees here on Saturday. Now it's getting cold again. It's been the weirdest last 12 months for weather I can remember. And uh, the winds are changing in the NBA, or at least it seems that way if you're a Cavs fan. Um, We had a, a, a bit of a shakeup this week. Anderson Barraja was dealt. We'll get into that later. I think Nate has some strong thoughts on that. And uh can you contain yourself, Nate, till the end of the podcast? Or are you just gonna I, erupt?
2: I guess. I mean, I've been sitting around, you know, I dyed all my hair black and <laughs> cutting my been cutting my arms and listening to the cure since Thursday. So you know, if I can make it that long, I can make it to the end of uh, to the end of this podcast,
1: we'll get we'll get to, we'll get into that later. But uh, this afternoon, the Cavs had a matinee game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, they uh, they played outstanding. I, I'll give you guys my thoughts later. But um, did you guys both get to see the whole game? Yeah, uh, yeah, I watched I watched the whole game. So, what was your takeaway from from the total beatdown that the – Cavs minus Kyrie Irving um, laid on the uh, the OKC Thunder. Who, if there was ever if they were ever going to be motivated, it would have been today because they blew that game um, against uh, the Pacers of the night before. So, what you what do you think of the game, David? Uh, I thought the Cavs played like they just took everything
3: that was given to them. I wasn't as excited about the win. But uh, I was excited about the third quarter because the Cavs somehow got the Thunder into the bonus, like, seven minutes in, I think. Yeah. And then they just proceeded to, like, it was the most natural feeding of the ball to Kevin Love I've ever seen, like, since we've had him. And Kevin just, every single time, he'd make a move right away and get fouled or just score. It was beautiful. And then on top of that LeBron played like a—he was playing like a point guard. Like he wasn't chucking it at all. Like if he was given the pass, he would take it right away. It was—it was great to watch.
1: Yeah, my thoughts exactly, Nate. What did you see today that—that um, that made you smile?
2: Um. Yeah, no, exactly what uh, David said. Um, J.R. Smith was phenomenal. I mean, five for eight from three. Played thirty-nine minutes. Uh, it seemed like every time they needed a basket from J.R. Smith, he he got a a three or, you know, would would put it on the deck. Well, no, actually, he didn't get any on the deck there. All his points were off threes. But uh, he had some nice defensive plays. He just, like, his shooting is such a boon to them and just totally, you know, stretches out the offense. And uh, Kevin Love on the boards, I mean, he just seemed... Like, he was just battling the whole game. Uh, and then when the Cavs ran that big lineup where the smallest guy on the floor was Richard Jefferson with, uh,
1: with LeBron, yeah, had, uh, LeBron Yeah, they had LeBron, T.T., Richard Jefferson, uh, Love Jones. Love and J.R. Smith.
2: No, yeah. it was Jones, I thought.
1: No, they no, did no. bring James Jones in for a few minutes. But that no, was that the was very, late.
2: Yeah. No, this was in the third um, it was either love or Moscow. It, it really fantastic. I I don't understand why the Cavs don't go big more often with uh, with LeBron at the point. And I think one of the things that they should look to do. I mean, if if they do get to the finals against Golden State, that is a lineup that could really cause Golden State some problems. Um, yeah. So I yeah I, I was really impressed with the win. Now that being said, the Thunder played about as dumb of a third quarter as you could possibly play. <laughs> I mean, they were just committing stupid foul after stupid foul to start the quarter, and then you had Dion Waiters Island. Oh uh, man! He was oh brutal man! Brutal! How bad he was. <laughs> One for eight. A turnover and the one turnover was a travel where he was all alone on a fast break.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And then uh just horrific defense.
1: Uh and the the Well, you know, I don't know. I mean it wasn't like... it wasn't great defense, but it wasn't like they were uh I just felt like the Cavs just manhandled them. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't know if it was much that the Thunder laid an egg as it was uh the Cavs just played such well, a discipline they played five, such a disciplined yeah. game. But five
2: for twenty two from three. I mean the 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 Thunder cannot shoot and that is their problem and they don't play their shooters. I mean Anthony Murrow gets fourteen minutes. Uh their bench is a train wreck in terms of shooting. They have no shooting on that team.
1: Their bench has been a train wreck for a long time.
2: Right. Yeah, and it, it it's they didn't address any of their problems. So I I don't know what's going on with that team. But any as I said in the in the recap, anybody who thinks or not in the recap, the live thread anybody who thinks the Thunder are a threat in the playoffs is kidding themselves because a Billy Donovan is not a good coach yet. B
1: Dion well, okay what well, so, hold on, before you get into waiters, what did you see or not see from Donovan that is making you –
2: Like, I don't understand tactic? how
1: you can go these huge
2: stretches without Kevin Durant touching the ball. Like, they just seem like – yeah, he got 21 shots, but it just seems like they, they will go five-minute stretches with Durant on the floor where he doesn't take a shot. And that just to me is – like, he should be every other possession. And then you got, I mean, how does Serge Ibaka get 14 shots? And I I just think the team, Deion Waiters, one for eight is just, the whole team's a mess. I can't watch them play. (laughs) Maybe it's not Bailey Dottoman. I don't know what it is. But they just seem poorly coached, completely mismatched. Uh, Sam Presti is working on, joining David Griffin in the Unemployment line at the end of the Oh, <laughs> oh I said we'd get to it Nate. Right? Oh, sorry, sorry. I I jumped the
1: gun right. there. Well, the what I my takeaway from this game is the Thunder came out of the half uh, they were down 9 I believe and they uh, they went on a bit of a run and there was a sequence where I think they scored uh, five quick points. They hit a three and then Westbrook kind of wrapped around Delly, poked the ball away, and then which was a clear had, foul. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, he hit Delly uh, in the back of the
1: arm. Well, regardless, it wasn't <laughs> called, and then he went the other way, basically had an uncontested dunk. Decided to hand it off to Durant for the uncontested dunk, and the Cavs quickly called timeout, and it was a four-point game. Yeah, and on the uh, after the timeout, the Cavs came up. At least I think they called timeout, but I know the next play, uh, Delhi uh took a high screen to roll, and the the defense um shaded towards the roller and Delhi, no hesitation, just dribble drive and tossed up one of his like wrong footed floaters. And it, it kinda yeah, You're
2: thinking it, of the wrong it, shot because the one where Delhi threw the sh- the floater in was after Westbrook had that just vicious dunk on yeah, Delhi. That- and oh, then is that when the came back? Yeah, and that's, goes, right, that's right. That's it, it was, right. was it was like the, the the ultimate like old white guy answer to just yeah, get the poster yeah, you're right, at the you're y. right. I'm
1: thinking of the wrong <laughs> one. It was the it was yeah. the Westbrook sliced through three guys and just yeah. threw down a wicked dunk. The crowd was going crazy. And on the next possession, Delhi hits this awkward shot and actually Hubie Brown was a Hubie Brown or... No, it was Mike Tarico that said something like, Well, it wasn't as flashy, but it was still too quick. <laughs> it was like not not a flashy answer, but an answer nonetheless. He said something like that, and I just laughed. I was like, That's that's the deli effect right there. Right. And the Cavs, I think, went on like a twenty to twenty to four, twenty to it five was, run after that. It was twenty nine eleven. Twenty nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean just just what a superb answer. And to your point, Nate, about the Thunder on offense, I noticed that um, they just took Durant and Westbrook, and really worked you're, you're hard on beat us
2: with every other guy. Any all the other guys,
1: right? And they let Randy um, Foy shoot. You know that didn't work out.
2: And and Deion Waiters.
1: They let Deion Waiters shoot, and it got to the point where Deion Waiters started getting wide open three point attempt if he wanted them, and he didn't want them anymore. He he. He got lost in his own head tonight, and you could see. I think, I think, uh, QB Brown even said something like, "Oh, he didn't want to take that. His confidence is shot." <laughs> he said something like, that. I was like, "Wow, that QB is going. He's leaving nothing. It's uh, not mincing words." That is a uh, Waiters hot take, but um, yeah.
2: no, I mean, he was Dion Waiters. Like he was yeah, you had the one comment in the live thread where Dion Waiters passes up a wide open three, and then the other side of the court, Jr. Smith comes down and like... Yeah,
1: loop-de-loos. he took a step back transition. Well, no,
2: he three. like turned around, he did a, <laughs> a 180 pirouette into a three and just buried it.
1: No, I'm thinking of a different one. Oh. <laughs> I remember, See, I, I remember you, the one... I'm thinking talking. of the
2: one where he like dribbled in and then like spun back around on a pirouette and then launched a three.
1: I'm thinking of the one where uh, Jr. closed out hard on a rotation and it caused... Like a a loopy pass, and I I forget who ended up tipping it. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It went ahead to JR, and he dribbled up the court, and no one else had caught up to him, but he had already dribbled past the three-point line, and no one had caught up to him, so he's like, all right, and he just took one step back and he drained.
2: Yeah, and they they called timeout right after that, and I said on the live chat, I was like, that was a total just, that was an FU three. That was the one where you just break the other team's will.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, just un- unbelievable effort tonight from J.R. Smith. Yeah, I mean, and I really- he was defending, he was rebounding. He took that, uh, I think he took a shot to the face at one point and And um, on the next possession, now granted, this was after he had hit at least one, maybe two of those crazy transition threes. And then on defense, I don't know if it was just friendly fire or if someone on the thunder hit him, but he got whacked in the face. And you could see him holding his face. But the play didn't die. And so they're running up the court. And I'm and JR got the ball. And I'm thinking like, oh, well, this is obviously heat check time. I mean, first of all, it's J.R. Smith. So it's always heat check time. Second of all, he's hit like two ridiculous threes in a row. And he actually, this was this whole sequence where he tried crossing over a few times. And when nothing was there, he crossed over to the left. And he made a great pass. And I forget who, but the offensive possession was just phenomenal. And it was because he made the right decision there, and I don't know if it was because he couldn't see because his eyes were watering, or if that's just growth from Jr. Smith. But I was so impressed with him and with Kevin Kevin Love and LeBron. How
2: about Richard Jefferson?
1: Oh, Richard Jefferson was Richard, you awesome. Think that, you
2: think that week off helped Richard Jefferson's old legs?
1: <laughs> yeah, and there were sequences where Richard Jefferson was guarding Durant. And they uh, did.
2: Meanwhile, they, uh, David is uh, putting together an alarm <laughs> clock
1: from a kit. while we're yeah. doing this podcast. David mute yourself, man. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> Richard Jefferson was guarding Durant for multiple occasions and it did not wind up terribly for the Cavs. And at the other end, he was just draining shot after shot. And then he had that, uh,
2: he had that reverse four, four from the
1: line, and he had that up and under dunk. Oh,
2: the reverse dunk,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, which was sweet. He's done that a bunch of times this year. I, I love that move. It's the yeah. uh, I'm not fast enough where to beat these guys to the rim, so instead of getting blocked, I'll, uh, I'll let them fly right by and I'll just go up and under and throw it down. It's a great <laughs> move.
2: Yeah, that's the uh, they call that the maverick. You hit the break.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's yeah. let them fly by. You're gonna what? <laughs> But David, yeah, if you're not going to mute your background noise, at least talk
3: yeah, yeah, so why don't the Thunder run any pick and rolls with uh, Westbrook and Durant? Like It makes no sense at all
1: Well, over the it's- years my biggest criticism of Durant and this was the only, the only media member that I've ever really seen lob this criticism at Durant was John Hollinger who way back when, you know, four years ago when it was like, oh, Westbrook isn't a team player, he's such a ball hog, he doesn't get Durant enough shots, Hollinger said, hey, look, watch the game film. Durant doesn't work that hard to get to good spots. He doesn't work that hard to get open. And a lot of times, Westbrook just ends up handing him the ball at the top of the key because that's the only way he can make a pass. And ever since I read that article from Hollinger, I've watched Thunder games. And sure enough, Durant, despite having like a 12-foot wingspan, Does not work that hard all the time to get open. Like you watch a guy like Curry, you know, furiously run around screens. Durant is kind of lackadaisical. He kind of just hopes that, you know, people won't defend him that well. And the Cavs were really being physical with him tonight. And Delhi was being physical with Westbrook. They really weren't letting those guys um, move around. So
2: much of the Thunder's game plan was to post up. Westbrook on Kyrie, and then when Kyrie went out, they kind of completely took him
3: out of their offense.
2: Um, well they had
3: the Sorry, go ahead. They threw Smith on Westbrook like from the start of the game yeah. pretty much. Which yeah. and Smith did a great job of keeping him from getting too deep into the pain.
2: Yeah, and they were running that little two man game between Adams and, and Westbrook and it was it was hurting the Cavs at first, but the Thunder just don't seem to have any rhythm in their offense. And I honestly I really think Kevin Durant's gonna go to the Warriors in the offseason. I I the more I watch him, the more I think him in that Harrison Barnes role is like the absolute just perfect spot for him. I don't think he'll ever have a better chance to get a ring. I, I think he's going, going I think he's going to the bay. Oh he
3: man. would be he would be like the fourth option. I, I but don't know. He no, he
2: he'd be the second he'd option. He'd be the
1: second Todd. option.
3: They're, I mean, can you imagine
2: how just brutally difficult to guard with Curry, uh, Durant, and uh, Clay Thompson out of the three-point line, and then you've got Draymond Green in the middle and basically put anyone else on the floor?
3: Well, you say that, but you guys – or Tom mentioned how Durant doesn't really work for the ball.
2: He doesn't and need to he, work for the ball in that offense. He just needs to stand yeah. in his spot.
3: <laughs> Go to so the what corner. He's going he's gonna to be the world's best, like, corner three-point shooter or something? I, I just don't see it because there's not enough touches on the Warriors for him. Like, that team's offense is so, like, fluid and Durant. I can't see him playing in an offense like that at all.
2: And interesting thought. I mean... I, well, why couldn't he just be a super version of Harrison Barnes?
3: Because that's not how basketball works.
2: Well, but the other thing is, is you look at the guys that he's had coaching him. I haven't seen a coach like coach him to be a better player without the ball in the in the NBA. Yeah. I, I mean, I would think he would go to the Warriors, and the coaching would be a lot better.
3: I guess that's true. I just I don't see the Warriors doing that because there's still going to be a year period where they have to get used to each other. And with how the Warriors are cruising right now, I don't I don't think they need him even.
2: Well, I don't think so either. And I think in some ways, I mean, Simmons said this last week. The, in a lot of ways, if there's a bunch of uh, Warriors executives, you know, scheming this idea is like, what are you guys doing? You're out thinking yourselves. Just fix what is working. This is the best. Team we've seen since the Bulls stop screwing with it, <laughs> you know.
1: So yeah, I mean, I mean that's they, just a the feeling I have. I get the feeling that they he's didn't done. want Kevin Love. They didn't want Kevin Love for Clay Thompson. So you know, they're, if they're gonna win seventy eight games, there might or seventy seven games now. You know, there could be a "if it ain't broke, don't fix it" kind of thing.
2: Yeah, um, I feel like they need a. Four that takes more shots like Ibaka is kind of a safety valve but he he's not a good enough passer to to make that I mean he's once the ball goes in he's not going to make a great pass to get a score I almost think like a straight up trade of Ibaka for uh, Blake Griffin would be like the perfect trade for both teams mm. And, you, and then you send uh, you send Blake back to Oklahoma. Well, do you want?
1: Yeah, yeah, that'd be an interesting trade.
2: I don't think either team would ever do it, but yeah, actually, I so, think the Thunder would. really
1: do it. Ben Ben wrote a nice uh, synopsis of tonight's game in our email thread, yeah. and uh, he talked about LeBron playing point um, and really working to set up his teammates. That was. That reminded me of Finals LeBron. Yeah. Um, he controlled the tempo, but it was like a really good the version the ball didn't of
2: stick like it did in Finals
1: It LeBron. didn't stick. He played a downhill kind of game. You know, he tried to attack. Anytime he got a somewhat favorable switch, he would just attack the rack. Uh, that, that underhanded alley-oop to TT. Oh, yeah, that was nasty. As, that, was that was amazing. That was ridiculous. De- Deli played it. a
2: downhill game,
1: too. Yeah, I thought Delhi played well. I mean,
2: he had seven assists and he had. uh a he several had some
1: turnovers. nice. He had some nice defense on Westbrook. Yeah. I thought.
2: I mean, he had, <laughs> he had three turnovers too, but he had some really nice passes and he found. And he found
1: le, he found LeBron a bunch of times on those. Um, like, the rim. Yeah, those kind of like back cuts. Oh, where yeah. they
2: run, yeah, where they run that cross screen for LeBron and he comes across yeah. the lane. Dele yep. is so good at finding him at the perfect spot. And it was so funny because you could tell Westbrook just like I'm gonna shut this guy down. Like I'm gonna just work him over. And Delhi's a guy that that doesn't totally work against as long as he can get a passing angle. And you could tell Westbrook was getting frustrated because he was D'ing him really hard. And Delhi just kind of uh, did that downhill fall forward for three yards uh, kind of play point guard <laughs> and just just make the perfect pass, and that's all he needs to do. Like, Westbrook just didn't seem to know how to deal with that.
3: There was a great play where Westbrook, like, went over uh, his shoulder, like, while he's trying to bring it up the floor. And, like, Delhi's clearly, like, pulling his jersey into him and, like, pushing him away the whole time.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, and just Westbrook got him. that – got that call against him. Uh, but that was right after the one where he stole the ball from behind and got a run out. And I th- I thought that was totally a makeup call because that was a foul on Delhi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was a makeup call for missing the call on the play
3: before. Also, Hubie Brown loves Delhi, which is great. To
2: How can you not just... love Delhi? He's, he's a yeah, like point guard.
3: Most announcers are just kind of eh, like Delhi. He tries real hard, like he's not good enough. Like, Hubie was
1: smoking something fierce, though, when he <laughs> brought up the whole, like, was that a flagrant? Where Delhi literally hit Westbrook in, like, the forearm, and he was like, oh, we're going to have to check and see if that was a flagrant. It was like, huh? <laughs> what? Arm-on-arm contact is now a flagrant when you're going for the ball? Like, that that was uh, that was a little much, but he did have some nice things to say about how you, you know, any coach would want Delhi on their team. Um so tonight, you guys, Kevin Love didn't hit a single three, and yet he led the Cavs in plus minus. He led the Cavs in points. He led the Cavs in uh free throws. He shot twelve free throws. And David, you already brought up a lot of them were in that third quarter where the Cavs got the Cavs gotten the bonus early. And man, that was just um, my my heart was just full of pride for my young Cavaliers, all grown up, uh, just doing what they should do. You know, just pounding. And any time, Kev- it didn't matter who was guarding Kevin Love, they weren't double-teaming him. And if they did, he would kick out of it. And he was a good passer. He had four dimes tonight. And he just went to work.
2: And no turnovers.
1: And, and he just knows how to draw fouls. When he gets down on the low block, oh, yeah. if you don't don't foul him, he's got enough moves <laughs> that he's, he's fairly effective. The and best man. one
2: was the one where they triple teamed him, and he pumped fake. And Durant <laughs> right.
1: and uh, Ibaka both jumped at
2: the same time and, like, sandwiched him in midair. <laughs> and yeah, they I were mean, both he is,
1: he is incredible at drawing fouls for a yeah. guy that is, you know, not that athletic and doesn't well, throw his body into. people. He's just he – has such good footwork and really good body control. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that week off was big for him, and I hope he kind of channels – the all-star snub, into – plus, he played 38 minutes, which might be his minutes high for the season.
1: Yeah. Well, they were shorthanded, and there was no Shumper tonight. Kyrie only played a little bit. There was no fourth big. Yeah. Yeah. There may not be one. (laughs) I thought Mozgov played all right tonight, too. Um, Maybe not initially, but after he got that technical foul, I felt like he was – going all over the place for loose balls. like yeah, I used, I'm used to seeing him kind of flat-footed. He doesn't seem to explode you know, in any one direction quickly. But tonight, a couple of long yeah, rebounds. He had 11 he points down. in
2: 18 minutes. I mean, he, yeah. he definitely was effective. Uh, Delhi found him on a – he had some great cuts. I'll get, Moscow yes, had some fantastic yes, he did. cuts. Uh, yes, and he did. Perfectly timed passes from Delhi. He had that one – where it kind of went up at a weird angle, and <laughs> every and he got stuffed at the rim, or yeah, kind of yeah. by by the rim. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he was five for seven. He had a really nice game. I, I'm glad he is still a member of the team. Uh, so now they need the big man depth because who knows what's going on with Channing
1: Frye? So. Yeah, we'll get into that. But <laughs> so I want to ask you guys before we wrap up this game, and then we can talk for a second about the Chicago game, if you remember it at all. But I feel like the Cavs have a couple of different styles of offense they can play. And we saw one of them tonight, which is where more or less LeBron is the point guard. And even when Delhi was on the court, for a few possessions he ran the point, but for most of the time that Delhi was on the court and LeBron was on the court, Delhi played off ball. So that is what they did in the finals. Um, Is that their best shot against a team like the Warriors? I mean, they did win two games doing that. Or is the best for LeBron to let the point guards be the point guards and for him to play off ball? Or do we even know the answer to that? Uh, How about you? We'll start with you, David.
3: Um, So I kind of think... LeBron uh, in the finals he at least let delhi bring the ball up the court which saved him a little bit of energy because whenever the Warriors pressed delhi kind of dealt with that but uh the best thing about LeBron like I I wrote about this a little bit last year in the finals is that like for some reason the more he handles the ball the less he turns it over it makes no sense at all so right it's the weirdest thing. But like tonight we saw when LeBron is like thinking like, all right, like I'm the point guard, I'm going to do this. It opens up the whole game for him because he's committing to like actually finding the pass. So the other team starts playing the passing lanes. And then LeBron actually has open lanes to the hoop. And it's, it makes no sense because teams should just kind of block him from going to the hoop the whole time and hope the other Cavs miss, but they just don't do that. So yeah, I don't I mean, know. You, You've done that
2: in a pickup game where it's like, okay, don't help off that guy. And no matter what, yeah. if you're getting beat, somebody – people always help even when they shouldn't help. And then all of a sudden you're giving up wide open three. threes. You know, yeah. It's like you just – it's so hard to be disciplined like that on defense. And to – your natural instinct is when a guy penetrates to take a step or two in towards a paint. And that's when team when a guy like LeBron or teams like the Warriors beat you. That's when they beat you is you you're already beaten once you've taken two steps in towards the paint. It, it, and it's it's funny because yeah, I totally I totally see what you're saying. And Delhi kind of say does the same thing and like you know a, at a third the speed where he uses his passing to set up his offense, not the other way around. And and that's the great thing about Deli too, is he's a good enough shooter that you can put him on the floor as a spacer and he doesn't have to have the ball to be positive on offense. Plus the fact that he can guard both guard spots helps a lot, too.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know the answer. I, I think in a perfect world, the Cavs' highest ceiling is where uh, – you know, you have these you, you have someone like Delhi running the point, you have Kyrie coming off screens looking to catch and shoot or dribble drive. You have LeBron doing like the back cuts, um, like he was today, and when none of that is appearing instantly, you toss it to Kevin Off on the block and run your offense. I think I don't have enough confidence that Kyrie Irving can really run up run the point guard position. And get everyone involved. So I'd like to see him off the ball a little bit more. Um, but maybe maybe it just needs to be the way it was tonight. Yeah. Even what well, you the know, other
2: thing is is having that whole week off to actually get some practices in definitely helped them. They seemed a lot more in sync on offense.
1: They did. They they did seem more in sync. And they there was no hesitation a lot of times when they got into their sets like even right even sometimes when the first option wasn't there like I noticed a few times the Cavs set pin down screens to try to free either Jr. or Kevin Love in the corner mm-hmm. and the Warriors or the um, Thunder kind of fought through it it wasn't there they just moved on to the next thing and yeah. there was there wasn't this like oh crap like kick it out the top of the key and call for like a one, one five pick loved. and roll
2: one of the things I loved is they would run that pin down and LeBron Would stand there holding the ball instead of pounding it. And if it wasn't there, he would make a pass and cut, or he would make that pass uh, for the guy coming off the curl. But the best part about it was when he doesn't give up his dribble, guys have to stay off him because if he still has that dribble or if he passes and cuts, he's such a threat. You got to give him like a five, you know, to 10 foot space so he doesn't just explode past you and it's like yeah. and that's such a simple thing for him to hold the ball in a passing position rather than pounding it yet yeah we haven't seen it all year <laughs> yeah so that that was that was really nice to see Uh one the other thing that ben said in the uh in the emails uh ben worth who consistently like the wisdom that, that Ben brings to CAFSA blog it always impresses me. And, and not to Tudor and horn. I just, I'm amazed I get to work with a guy that sees as much as quickly as, as he does when he analyzes stuff. But he is not a Kyrie fan. And he said, the team gets better without Kyrie and the defense is fantastic. It's not a coincidence. So, I mean, that's interesting. I, and one of the things I think about the way Kyrie's going to work going forward is Ty Lu talked a lot about getting Kevin Love the ball against the second units uh, at the elbows. But I actually think Kyrie staggering the minutes. So Kyrie is the primary point guard against second units is a much better option because then he's Ooh. not taking the mainline guys out of their offense when he's, when he's dribbling around. Yeah. And plus he kinda has that Kismet with uh with Moscow. I I, I kind of think that might be the best way for them to play. Uh mm. staggering the minutes. Now that being said, they seem like they need another point guard right now because Moe's out.
1: Kyrie's you know, what's what's wrong with Mo? I saw he's going to uh see James Andrews about been like, fighting a knee
2: issue all year. Mm. And also he kind of had that mopiness and we didn't know what was going on. It's so hard to tell what's actually going on with this team.
1: That mopiness.
2: Oh, wow. Well, I didn't <laughs> say it that way cuz that did not sound good. <laughs> but uh, um but I'm, yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of been battling that on and off all year, so I don't I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Well, here's an interesting. couple of interesting things. So you, you kind of alluded to what Ben said, which you know Ben is not very high on Kyrie Irving, um, n- not nearly as much as a lot of it, the rest of us are. So since Kyrie's been back, and I think he came back like the week before Christmas, the Cavs are plus six points per game when he's on the court, which is pretty good because the Cavs as a team in that time are – uh, plus seven points a game. So he's about what the team's average is. And then the guys that are above that are Kevin Love at 7.6, J.R. Smith at 7.4. And that is what we've been seeing. We've been seeing yeah. J.R. Smith has been phenomenal um, since basically January when things started to kind of spiral out of control a little bit. And for the and
2: Cavs. He was the rock.
1: Yeah, and then LeBron at seven, and everyone else is below that. So the Cavs aren't playing, you know, poorly in the aggregate when Kyrie's on the court. No, no, and he's had his moments, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. It's just, so it's just a of question. Moments, about- do you want
2: to talk about the Bulls game a little bit? Because he he had a nice game against the Bulls.
1: Yeah, what what do you think about the uh, how he played, David? Did we oh, uh, no, no. I I unmuted. Sorry. Uh,
3: so I don't uh, the Bulls game. Honestly, like I watched the full game and I can't remember any of it. I mean, yeah,
2: I at, I'm, I'm in the like, same, I'm in the same boat. That's why I talked to you. I know he had a really good game. He um, had he, but he I was, was in I was in Vergeau morning.
3: <laughs> I, six,
2: I can't remember.
3: He was six to eighteen for nineteen points. Um, I kind of remember him hunting for his own shot a little bit. Yeah. But that's usual Kyrie. The thing I remembered most about the game was in the first quarter Mozgov kinda went off and had a couple good cuts to the rim and hard finishes. Yeah, you why know, that was really all I took away from it. No, I, mean, I love-
2: know, I was I I I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was at the Winking Lizard and <laughs> I was I was drowning my, my Tristan sorrows <laughs> and, and writing haikus. <laughs> the entire night, so maybe maybe I kind of overremembered how well Kyrie played because uh, I guess that was kind of just a LeBron night twenty five nine and nine, which which is a pretty solid night. But
1: yeah, I mean, the LeBron whole rest was, of the game's a blur. LeBron was flexing. Kevin Love was really solid, kind of quietly 15, solid. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, TT had a heck of a game. Yeah. Uh, he he was just dominating on the uh around the hoop, basically. Um, oh, he, he had like sixteen points with all that was assisted or something. Yeah, and a lot of it no, were like Iverson yeah. assists where the Cavs would come down um and the Bulls would contest and it would kinda like roll off the side of the road and the T would be right there and clean it up. Yeah. So there was a lot of that was a balanced game. The my takeaway was the Cavs I thought played really nice D. Um, you know, Derek Rose got his for sure, but you know, when Derrick Rose starts hitting threes against you, you tip your cap a little bit. Yeah. and he played a, a a great game offensively, but they just didn't have enough without Jimmy yeah, Butler. They,
2: Jim, no Jimmy Butler, and then uh, the, Meredith. Yeah, no Meredith. No Meredith. Yeah, and and we saw a lot of Bobby Frodo Portis. or Bobby Frodo <laughs> Eyes Portis. Yeah, and
1: uh, he had his moments too, he but did. he got and a then, little...
2: But they started Etwan more and that kind of tells you all you need to know because he's not a fantastic offensive player. And also, was that Dunleavy's first game back?
1: It was, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. and so he was kind of
2: trying to find his way back. He was off, which you would expect from his first game of the season.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I guess it wasn't his first game back. I I guess – yeah, but he hasn't been playing a ton of minutes. So
1: he, that was his third game back. So so this is interesting. Um Doug McDermott was one of six against the Cavs oh, yeah, and he Doug had
2: buckets was kind of terrible.
1: He was kind of terrible. And guess what he did the next
3: night? Oh, he had like 35 or something, right? It was very 30 points,
1: yeah. Yeah, he was uh well good for he him. Was, he was 13 of 17 from the field. He looks like an evil villain, kind of. He scored big He scored thirty points without a free throw. You know how hard well, it is. And to that's
2: he, that's one of those guys. Like there's sometimes because I only watch not only watch the Cavs, but I watch the Cavs so much more than any other team. Like I have these wrong impressions about players because they always seem to perform a certain way against the Cavs. Yeah, like, like, you, like you think Doug Andrew Biggs never really killed the Cavs, but you know the next two nights he was really good. And Tony Snell. Can't even shoot forty percent from the floor, and but I always I'm terrified of him because he always kills the Cavs.
1: Yeah, well, and uh, so according to you, then Andrew Wiggins is like the goat <laughs> because against the Cavs he is unbelievable. Yeah, how prolific he is against the Cavs, and then you look at his like overall stats and you think, yeah, he's not that great. <laughs>
0: So.
2: yeah, no, I mean, but I, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. And I'm actually – that Minnesota about squad has got a nice young core. I mean, if Zach Levine can figure it out a little bit because uh, he needs to figure out a position. And, and uh, then they got Cat and they got him and then they got – and I'm a Ricky Rubio fan. And then they've got a lot of depth at the big spot and then Shabazz Muhammad coming off the bench – in a year or two, that could be a really solid squad. Could be, yeah. They could, they could be. I mean, they definitely got some horses.
1: Yeah. So the Cavs come out of the gate uh, after the All Star break. I think they've now won six straight games going back before the All Star break. But yeah, two pretty, two pretty good wins. I mean, a solid win. They kind of the game against the Bulls was really never in doubt. And then tonight, boy, they just took it to the Thunder. But the other the thing I like about the Bulls game, quarters. though,
2: was they never just totally started mailing it in like they have in other games where they make right. big
1: leads. You're right. Yeah, I mean they they, came uh, out
2: and they had a 30 point third quarter.
1: Well, they wow. got kind of fired up. There was that whole yeah. thing where J.R. Smith and uh, uh, Taj. Taj Gibson <laughs> got tangled up. Yeah,
2: Taj and
1: <laughs> the Deli. Taj leg-lock. Gibson is like one
2: of those. <laughs> he, I mean, he's a fake
3: tough guy, right? Do you think
2: I mean, he's a real tough guy or a fake t- tough guy? I
3: think it's just because his hair is goofy. You think he's like a fake tough guy. His hair, he hair doesn't have hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but he's like hanging on to the dream kind of. <laughs> he he needs the uh, the Drew Gooden ducktail is, is what David's saying.
1: Is Drew, I, is Drew Gooden out of the league now that they've done away with that move, that rip-through move?
2: No, i like, still earned, on a I team. Thought,
1: I think he gets decent minutes with the
2: Wizards. I think he's still playing with the Wizards, yeah.
1: Well, he was really good with the Wizards last year in the playoffs against the Raptors when they swept them.
2: Yeah, he's not playing well this year. He's shooting 34% from the field. Well, uh, he's
1: 30, He's 34 years old.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, and he's, he's only playing about 11 minutes a game. So he's not uh, having yeah. a great year, much like many pl- people that play with the Wizards this year.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He I is mean, not having a good year.
2: Randy Whitman's gotta be the number one candidate in the league to get fired in the offseason, right?
3: It's it's the Wizards, though. They...
2: I mean after David Griffin, right?
1: Oh man, all right. Nate, <laughs> I've hung I've hung on long enough. We're gonna end this podcast uh talking about the move the Cavs just made, or the moves, plural, I should say, that the Cavs just made. And I think we should probably clarify, because this wasn't clear to me at first. The Cavs really did make two different moves. they, yeah, they, made they
2: two different trades.
1: They traded Anderson Varejao and a first-round pick basically to get both, both cap relief um, and to get a second-round pick that they then
2: exception.
1: and a trade exception, and they sent the second round pick to Orlando. Uh, and then that is how they got um, Channing Fry, right? Right. So and Fry literally just cost the second hit, they round. They fit pick.
2: Channing Fry into and the Brendan exception. Haywood trade exception, and then uh, okay. now they have that trade exception from Andy that. Takes them through this time next year.
1: So the so the so the magic just wanted to get rid of Channing Frye, clear some space off the books, and get a second round pick. I think they wanted to clarify their rotation, maybe. Yeah, because he hasn't he hasn't played that poorly this year for them. No,
2: but he. I talked to uh, a guy who's a a big Magic guy, and he's like, "Yeah, he's really nothing special," and. He will underwhelm
1: you, is what he told me, basically. (laughs) Well, I think you just... You gotta know what he is and what he isn't. Um, But... So, anyway. Originally, this all seemed like it was really just like a one trade done between three teams. But... The Cavs were trying to save money with Verichao. And... They've since uh, cut Jared Cunningham and...
2: Uh No, Jared Cunningham went out to Portland. Oh, in the trade. Went, in in, yeah. in the trade, you're right. And then Portland bought not- out Andy, who is today signed with the Golden or agreed to sign with the Golden State Warriors. I think they got to make some moves before that happens. And then uh Jared Cunningham is I I'm not sure if I think he's still on their roster. He's, on, he's on our still-
3: roster until Fry clears physicals.
2: No, I thought Jared Cunningham was on Portland's roster.
1: No, I think he's going no. to Orlando. He's going to oh. Orlando. But oh. are they even going to so keep him, or are they,
2: that if Fry are they just going
1: to waive him?
3: Yeah. No, Seth, I read they're going to waive him. Yeah, that's what I read, until, They can't do it until Fry's officially on the team. Okay. I
1: see. Yeah. So let's take this step by step. First, I want to talk about why wasn't Bergerow playing this year? Why did he only get 300 minutes well, when...
2: Okay, let's, let's start a little before that, Tom. How did you feel when you oh, found out A B had been traded?
1: I was I was upset. I and I was I think I was most upset, honestly, when uh LeBron threw down uh I don't know if he threw down a sick dunk or, or if it was an and one or what happened in the Bulls game and it, the crowd just started going crazy and LeBron was high fiving a fan and I just got I got really bummed out thinking like Verizao should be there, on the sidelines, waving a towel, giving LeBron a big hug when he comes back to the bench. And yeah, it, it you know he was one of my favorite players for a long time. I, I'm staring at a signed, uh, official Verizao jersey right now in my in my man cave, and uh, I love watching him play. And it, it you know he was like one of the lone bright spots during the dark years. How 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 well he played all the other guys were kind of learning like you know Kyrie and Tristan and so yeah it's a bummer i mean i i guess they shouldn't have given him that big contract a few years ago but i'm just puzzled you know, as to why like, he worked his way back from the was injury it wasn't
2: a few years ago it was literally la- Last the fall years. of 2014
1: oh I mean, when was, he got the, the three year deal the fall of the
2: season that lebron came back they yeah. gave him an extension
1: yeah, you're right.
2: Like, it was not even
1: two seasons ago. It, it it's kind of insane. Yeah. So, I mean, I felt I it wasn't the end of the world, but I was I was pretty bummed out
3: actually. I mean, how about you guys? Um. Well, I'll go first because I know Nate's opinion is much stronger than mine. Uh, but I don't know. It's just it feels wrong. Like I feel greasy, kind of now, and because Andy's just been with the team so long, and it's one of those things, like Nate brought up in uh, one of our email chains, like how the Cavs traded Sigrunas that season, like 2010, I think, and it just kind of made the season feel weird, and now it's the same thing. It's like there's just some things you don't do, and this is one of them. Like Andy's been with the team forever. He deserves to win a title with us, and he's always been there for us. Like he tries his hardest whenever he's on the floor. And you can't find another guy that's like that. So it just, I don't know, it feels weird not having him on the team now. And on top of that, like, Andy's the ultimate everyman. Like, if any of us were ever to make it in the NBA, it'd it'd be because we try really hard. And Andy just tries really hard all the time. I mean, obviously he he's also (laughs) 6'11". Yeah, he also has other great skills. But, like, Andy's the most relatable Cavs player ever. He's, like, goofy and, like, kind of chunky looking, like, he seems like he might like to drink a couple beers. Like he's—I don't know—he's just an everyman. Like I'm gonna miss having Andy on the team, and it stinks too that he's going to the Warriors. Because I don't know. Like I like Andy. I'm never gonna be able to dislike him.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Nate, what was your gut feeling? Well,
2: let me take you back to January 11th. Um, I'm sorry, January 22nd which was the day that David Blatt was fired. And uh, let's, let's listen to a little bit about what David Griffin said. We are a team, unfortunately, that struggles more than any good team I've ever been with, and this is my 24th year in the NBA, with prosperity. I've never seen a locker room not be as connected after wins as they need to be. We've only been galvanized. Where the expectations were not high, um, and circumstances were somewhat artificial. Otherwise, we've been a group of tremendous individual talent with individual hopes and dreams. That's not a winning formula. You know, uh I'm leaving an unprecedented team payroll and all the efforts of everybody that works in this organization to chance if if I keep that going. And just and then he kind of went on and talked about how we need to have a quote unquote deep connectedness uh, and a appreciation for each other and what we're doing and yet i feel like the guy they got rid of was the one guy on the team that embodied that more than anyone else so it makes absolutely no sense that they traded him for a guy who um by all accounts has been mailing it in for the most part for the last year and a half and is coming from, you know, he played with David Griffin in. Well, wait, they
1: didn't, but they didn't get anyone for him. Well, that's the, that's the point okay, I was making. Okay, I,
2: I, agreed. I mean, the, it, if you want to see it all as one big transaction, you can say it the way I just said it. Or no, they could have. They
1: could have gotten. They could have gotten Fry. Well, I I see the way they
2: did it because they wanted a. Um, trade exception that lasted longer than their other trade exception. I understand why they did it the way they did it okay but um it, you know you can look at it as all one move or separate moves either way, getting rid of the guy that kind of more embodies team than anyone else on the team is exactly the opposite direction that David Griffin said he wanted to go a month ago. And then to do that today, and I unfortunately haven't had the chance to read David or see David Griffin's press conference from the day that Andy was traded, Uh, seems like a complete opposite move, especially if it's for payroll or for these other purposes. I don't think Channing Fry helps the team win any more than Kyrie or than Anderson Vergeau in a vacuum. And if you take away the locker room stuff and the chemistry stuff, I think he – it's a net negative move for the Cavs. Now, the other part of that I've been thinking all day that just really makes – like David said, makes me feel dirty is that if you ascribe to the theory that nothing happens on the Cavs without LeBron James's approval, then he just stabbed a good friend of his in the back. And that was – that's what really is like, wow. Woo, it's Is getting, getting hot in here. Going on? man. I mean, that's, oh. that's, what, that's what makes me feel dirty and makes me hate this team.
1: It's to be like, yanking on my collar.
2: Like, David, uh, 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 somebody that writes for – not David. Somebody that writes for the blog, and I'm not going to name names because I don't have permissions to share this email, said, you know, if Delhi gets hurt in the playoffs and Vergeau uh, signs with the Warriors or the Spurs or somebody – I may have to root for the Warriors or the Spurs in the finals (laughs) against the Cavs. I mean, that's how much this person dislikes the makeup of this team right now. And, And, and another part of this, and I saw it the day of the trade, and, you know, Colin McGowan wrote an article, I think it was maybe a year ago, called, and basically the premise of the article was, the NBA trade deadline turns us into monsters. And I really feel like that is true. Like, we just treat these guys like pieces of meat that should just, you know, the guy played for the Cavs for 11 years is like, oh, he stinks. He should go. You know, we should get a guy that can shoot threes. Yet every time I watch, or more often than not, when I watch Anderson Bergerow this year, he energized the team when he was on the floor. He gave a crap more than a lot of times other guys he was playing with on the floor. He came out and he upped the energy of the game, especially after Ty Lu came in. I mean he had two appearances that I thought were really really positive appearances for the Cavs. And to to move him now for kind of a ho hum guy like Channing Fry really it 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 really it really frosts me, Tom. So <laughs> I I don't know what to make of this team, and I don't know. I'm I'm really like have been spending the last several days questioning whether I want to even root for this team anymore. And and thank God Whoa. tonight's game was a spirited win because I I was on the precipice. Wow. So, so that that well, that's my rant.
1: Okay, uh, a couple things. <laughs> I thank you for that rant. That was that was marvelous. Um. I, I just I have a hard time getting into the whole backstabbing and pieces of meat and all that because it's <laughs> like, I mean it's like, Verjil is is so wealthy from no I know playing back I mean, it's just it's not it's 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 a bummer for us is what it is it's it's really it it stinks for Andy he he lives here. He was with oh, his absolutely. team for yeah, a long
2: time. Suck. I mean, he probably had to go home and tell his wife he got traded or, you know, right. sure, all that, all his friends. Absolutely. I kind of think I, I'm not it. crying for Anderson Vergelo. He's going to live a long and happy life with a beautiful woman and lots of money. So, right. you know, they, there are certainly many more people much more disadvantaged than Anderson Vergelo and most of uh, the American middle class that follows Anderson Vergeau on the Cavs. So, you know, don't cry for us. These are first world problems. I understand that.
1: Right. And I, I, you know, so I just can't figure out why they think that Anderson Vergeau's pick and roll defense and energy and rebounding and passing wouldn't be useful in a in a series against someone like the Warriors or the Spurs where both of those teams have very dynamic motion offenses, right? So part of the reason everyone argued that, Oh no, 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 TT really is worth 80 plus million dollars. The number one skill that they would point to with him was his pick and roll defense. And look, he can, he can jump out on a smaller guy and kind of harass him and it, was like okay that that's kind of a you know that's kind of an interesting skill to point out as the reason someone's so valuable and it's like well we, no one calls plays for TT but man he's so good at just being able to defend the pick and roll and it, it's like so Jr doesn't have some of those skills too i mean I, i'm not saying he's at TT's level as far as offensive rebounding or overall defense or even um, you know offense you know on putbacks and things like that at this juncture but I just felt like he does have a skill set that would be fairly useful, and the Cavs never really played him. And and when they did play him, they did well. Even if he didn't shoot the lights out, and you know he was he he was not automatic from 17 feet this year like he has been the previous couple of years. I was just confused. Like, what are they? Why are they not playing him? You know, it didn't make a lot of sense. Especially when I think Winhurst brought this up. It's like why were they playing Mozgov so much early on when he was clearly not recovered from his surgery and then he kind of got injured and then they still rushed him back. It's like, you got a healthy bearish there playing and they just never did.
2: Well, and then (laughs) the one I always heard was, well, we're saving him till after the All Star break, and then we're really going to up his minutes because <laughs> right. we don't want him to get hurt again. Well, meanwhile, you've got like a seven foot three center who's gimping around on a knee. And yeah. <laughs> that, does that make any sense?
1: No, it, it, it did. The, the other
3: thing that's crazy about them not playing Vereshau is that Vereshau runs, like when they have him run the offense, it's exactly how Kevin Love should be running the offense. And Vergeau just does it naturally when he's in the game with, like, second unit guys.
1: Yeah, in the from the high post kind of thing.
3: Yeah, it's like how... It, it would be pretty much seamless to integrate Vergeau and then actually use love how powers to be used.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I never understood it. And so my... I guess my takeaway from all the wheeling and dealing was, well, if they plan on using Channing Fry. I mean, I I guess that's an okay move. And if they weren't going to use Verjao at all anyway, I guess that's an okay move. But it's just puzzling to me. And now it just feels so... There's like all this foreboding now because we just found out tonight that the world champion and Cleveland arch-nemesis, Golden State Warriors, have agreed to terms with Anderson Verjao. So he is going to be... He is joining a team on pace to set the all-time regular season win record. Uh, and, and and his other option was the Spurs. So both championship-caliber teams wanted him. What do you – I mean, David, I'm going to start with you because I'm sure Nate's got something for us here. But what was your reaction when you found out that the Warriors actually are signing Berisha?
3: So I don't think he'll play much, but I feel like it's more of, like, a mental thing to kind of mess with the Cavs. Hmm. At the same time, though, Verichau kind of has the same skill set as Bogut does at this point. Like, he makes a good pass when it's there. He can kind of finish in the pick-and-roll, and and he plays decent defense.
2: Plus, Festus Azili is out uh, for the next, at least six weeks. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Verisham might get
3: serious minutes with the Warriors, son.
2: Well, I mean, right now, between him and, uh, uh you know, he's the, their uh, third big right now behind... Uh, spates. Spates, yeah. I mean, real big, because Harrison Barnes is a three-play in the four. But, yeah, behind Spates, he's their third true big man, so, I mean that you play when you're a third big man in the NBA. I mean, maybe not for the Warriors, but but I mean, I I could see certainly see him getting 15 minutes a night, especially as as often as those guys blow teams out. And plus, if you're a team like the Warriors that is, you you need a guy to come in at times and bring give you energy. And Vergeau is definitely somebody who does that. Plus, the other thing. <laughs> Verajao is probably a better rebounder than anybody they have on that team right now. And if you remember against the Cavs, rebounding was one of their big problems. And all of a sudden, you put in a guy that has the potential to be a very good defensive rebounder, boxing out a guy who he knows all his moves, Tristan Thompson. That's a smart uh move by a GM to bring that guy
3: in. Well, Ferrisau knows the offense too, which I just exactly like. Yeah, that's uh, this is a I don't know. The Warriors are really good and I'm just getting better.
2: Yeah, so it, it, you know, if you're a fan of single year RAPM, Channing Fry is having a fantastic season. Uh, he's 50th in the NBA right now in single year RPM. Well, as of like uh, last week. Uh, and then Anderson Varejao is, uh, 147th. So you definitely, and definitely not nearly as good on, uh, offense. Uh, defense, they're about the same, but Channing Fry is a better offensive player. But, you know, Channing Fry's kind of been getting lit up lately, uh, for, for the Magic, and a lot of people have been tweeting about that, and, from what I've heard from most people, he is an okay shot blocker. He's a he can be a decent shot blocker. Is not a great pick and roll defender. Um, you can definitely put him out on an island. Um, doesn't hedge and recover the way that Andy does, and certainly not the passer that Andy is. But he is a knockdown three point shooter. I mean, the when it comes to three point shooting, big men in the league right now, it's him and Ryan Anderson and Kevin Love. So, and that's pretty good company. So, you know, he does address some needs for the Cavs. Uh, I will never be able to accept him uh, as I had. You know, he's like that adopted child that I will never be able to accept. But uh, <laughs> you, you know, keep keep him in the. Basement. You're not my real son. <laughs> You're not my real son. <laughs> so, I,
1: guess. I I
2: feel about him the way the parents felt about uh, Haley Joel Osment on AI. You know, I just, <laughs> I, 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 he, I'll always view him with suspicion.
1: <laughs> so a couple of years ago when the calves were really bad, something happened. A, a, a ragtag group of misfits that Nate, um, nicknamed the Herculoids. It consisted of more or less uh Sean Livingston, Wayne Ellington, uh Most Maury, Maurice Spates, Luke Walton, and a lot of times Anderson Verijah was in there or Delhi was, was in there. There was a fifth guy. No, Delhi
2: wasn't on the team then. I don't think.
1: But no, no Delhi Dele... that
2: was pre Deli.
1: Was it pre Deli?
2: Yeah, it all uh, that four years without LeBron all blurs together.
1: It's
2: yeah, felt, because, it because like Byron Scott Smith. was coaching, and Deli right. came in with you're Mike right. Brown.
1: You're right. Yeah. Wow. Why did it feel like Deli ran with them? But, yeah, you're <laughs> so right. I can never remember Deli running with
2: Because them, the Herculoids remember. had those big white goo guys, bleep <laughs> and gloop, <laughs> that could and, all, and he that perfectly could, fits. You could see his face on Gleep or gloop.
1: That's why. Yeah. But the Herculoids were interesting because they didn't play a lot of D, But the offensive chemistry was phenomenal. And And they played a
2: lot of triangle concepts. And really when you watch the Herculoids' offense, and a lot of times the rumor was that year was that uh, Luke Walton came up with a lot of that offense. Yeah. Uh, You see it on the Warriors now. A lot of the kind of the way that they played is the way the Warriors play now, especially with Livingston in the post and – you know, running running cutters off him on the post and running that triangle action. Uh you see a lot of that and it started with the Herculoids. I well it so, started with Phil Jackson and Tex Winter and and Luke Walton playing for those guys, but yeah, I mean real similar action.
1: A while back, um you know, former Kaz the blog owner John Krolik wrote a post and he basically said that whenever people Whenever people say, I hope I'm wrong about something, they're lying. That no one actually hopes they're wrong, <laughs> even if they say that. And I, I kind of thought it was an interesting take, like, oh, maybe that's true, that even when you say, oh, I hope I'm wrong, you're really uh, sort of self-absorbed enough that you, you really just want to signal to other people that you were right about something. But you know, whether or not that was true... I have said about a bunch of different players over the years that the Cavs should either go after that player or sign that player long-term. Or, or
2: never should have let them go.
1: Or or never trade that player. Um, and I feel like the Warriors have assembled a lot of those guys. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but I'm at the point now where I, I truly want to be wrong. Like, I truly yeah. want Sean Livingston – to, to not kill the Cavs when they play them. Because he does. <laughs> and I don't see how they can match up with him. Because Delhi can't really guard him. And none of the other Cavs guards can really guard him. And you need... I, I don't know. And now they got Verigiao. And I, 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 I pined so hard for the Cavs to go after Andre Igadala And he got finals MVP against the Cavs. And, you know, not that Luke Walt... I mean, Luke Walt was going to retire. The Cavs didn't do anything wrong there. But They could have made Sean Livingston the backup guard of the Chiefs. There was talk
2: of hiring Luke Walton instead of David Black.
1: So they could have done that as well.
2: They could have done that as well. No, I mean, the parallels are insane. Look at the Cavs could have drafted Harrison Barnes. They drafted Deion
1: Waiters. Yes, you're right.
2: Uh, They drafted Tristan Thompson. They could have had Clay Thompson. They could have had the other Thompson. at the end of the lottery. Yeah. Uh, they passed on Draymond Green.
1: Yes. They had two second-round picks mm-hmm. that year, and they used neither of them on Draymond
2: Green. Or and, Festus Azili.
1: And now, I you know, obviously Steph Curry is a lot of what makes that team go. So I don't want to yeah. act like... Oh, all these individual pieces are what make the words what they are. But Curry doesn't have to play that many minutes because they're just so damn good. And yeah. part of the reason they're so good is because they're so deep. And Iguodala killed the Cavs. They, I don't know why the Cavs shelled out money for guys like Earl Clark. And it's like Hunter Iguodala was statistically the best defender in the NBA. And everyone just acted like, oh, no, he he sucks. Like he can't shoot. It's like, no, you're you're missing. He's really a good player. And Livingston put up really nice numbers on the Cavs that year, and he had been bouncing around. I think he had been cut by, like, the Wizards or something, or a 10-day contract expired or something. The Cavs gave him a chance. He played really well, and he hadn't had a significant injury in years. So it had been, like, three years since he had completely rehabbed from that horrific injury. So he wasn't really a threat anymore to be injured, they just let him go they just they didn't make any kind of attempt to to keep him long term and now varaja it's like he was he was playing okay you could probably use his skill set to be honest with you um and and they let him they let him go to to save some money and now the warriors pick him up and i just i i honestly with god as my witness i really hope i'm wrong i'm hoping that you know, Igudala can't shoot 40% from three anymore. It's just been a two-year fluke. And that Sean Livingston still does have a bum knee. It just hasn't resurfaced yet. And that Barajal really is washed up. And that, you know, Mo Spates, you know, wasn't valuable enough for a terrible non-playoff East team to find a spot for. I hope I'm wrong, guys. I'm worried I'm not wrong, though.
2: I, I'm worried you're not wrong either. I mean, I've been thinking about this all day. <laughs> it's brutal. I mean, that 2012 draft, the Cavs passed on Draymond Green and Jay Crowder back, back-to-back. back uh, Part of that, Tyler, they traded two first-rounders to the Mavs to take Tyler Zeller. Um, You know, it's just it, – it feels like – you you're watching this warriors team and it's a list of it's a compilation of them being fortunate enough to make the decision that was the intelligent one that the cavs failed to make
1: yeah that's exactly <laughs> and, what it feels like
2: and i am watching this season go by and to not to watch the anderson verugio thing and not think of the 2010 verugio um, corollaries. I I think is ridiculously sword sided. And David Griffin was around. Was David? No, he was he was with the Suns then.
1: No, he wasn't around. Chris Grant was the Chris, was the Chris Grant was the, the GM.
2: Yeah. And, uh, see,
1: that was you keep bringing that up, Nate. But that was a little bit different because the Cavs knew that they were probably going to get Z back. That yeah. was like a shocker when he when the Wizards waved him and he came back. Like everyone sort of anticipated that. It didn't mean yeah, that
2: they were never the same, and Z was never the same. Z it wasn't Z the same. So, but so, it's no, not, my it's point not, is, why? you know, you're not getting him back, so this is actually worse.
1: Oh, it is worse. <laughs> I'm saying I don't think that Z thing is as big of a deal as you make it because he wasn't Cavs, playing that much. The Cavs destroyed. He was the Cavs destroyed the Celtics in Boston to go up 2-1. They put up like 125 points on them. It looked like they were going to just cruise to the finals, and then LeBron just got wacky, and he just choked. And that's why they lost. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like after the Z trade they couldn't do anything right in the last couple months. I mean, I was at the game, actually, when Z came back, and that was one of the most... Um, emotional games I've ever been to. The crowd was like flipping out. We were all like chanting Z like you know half hour before tip off. And anytime you could like spot him anywhere, like just walking up through the tunnel or whatever, everyone would be chanting Z. It was it was pretty incredible. I mean, he was so beloved. And I you know Andy now is seventh all time on the Cavs in games played, and uh, and he has a lot of other top ten records. So. He's one of the longest tenured Cavs players ever. And now, one, of the, yeah. one
2: of the things that really bums me out about
1: uh, Andy
2: is that uh, he joined the Cavs uh, the same year my daughter was born. And uh, my daughter, it's her favorite player. She she has very similar curly locks. Um And it's like as long as a fourth of my life, over a fourth of my life, as long as my daughter's been alive, Anderson Verizhau has been playing or injured for the Cavs. And it's just (laughs) like, it's like such a retrospective. I mean, David, how old are you? Uh,
3: 26 now.
2: 26, over a third of your life, Anderson Verizhau has been playing for the Cavs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. Almost half your life.
3: Yeah, it was there when I was at my peak awkwardness at fifteen. So, <laughs> like, he's a perfect I player thought that to relate was last to.
2: Year was your peak awkward?
3: <laughs> I mean, it's been going down. It's still pretty awkward,
2: but <laughs> no. I mean, it's just like that. That, it's, that is is hard to deal with.
0: Who's I, I, feel like, longest... I
2: feel like I feel like I've lost a family member through divorce. Like, Who's I the second feel like my favorite cousin in law, Kyrie been divorced from my family.
1: Kyrie and TT. Oh. What about him? They're, They're now the long longest yeah. tenured cavaliers.
2: Yeah. And and Verjaw was kind of the guy, was not kind of, he was the guy that really bridged the original LeBron era with the new LeBron era. Yeah. And he he was just like a constant. I mean one of my favorite uh and the you know i i'm waxing nostalgic about uh Berger, but he he had some fantastic moments as a cavalier one of my oh, favorites yeah. is in the horror of akron book by scott rob uh <laughs> him intimating how many dancers anderson vergia how many cavalier girls anderson vergia went through in his season <laughs> <laughs> and he was kind of always had that that twinkle in his eye like you knew that he probably got up to a lot of shenanigans after the games were over, but that he was kind of a fun loving guy and, and everybody liked him and he could get away with that. Cause he had such a great smile and, and, and he could charm the pants. You get the feeling Anderson Barajal could charm the pants off of just about anybody. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, and Including I, you, I, I realized you just, the implications. You just
1: divorced him. him. <laughs>
2: No, no, no. I feel like he's, no. So the way I feel like, like I had this, a cousin-in-law or an uncle-in-law that I was really good friends with, enjoyed with. Now I feel like every time I go to a family function, I'm not going to see that guy anymore. And, you know, I may run into him at the grocery store someday, but it's going to be weird, you know, because he's not, you know, dating my, or not married to my aunt anymore or something like that. And, uh, you know, we'll 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 exchange pleasantries, but it'll never be the same. You know, we'll we'll never get to hang out and you know play Monopoly at the kids' table at Thanksgiving again, like like you know, and 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 drink beers at at Halloween. It it, it won't be the, okay. I feel like now I have this like weird fantasy life with Anderson Berjao, and that's
1: not the case either. You know, <laughs> sure it's not.
2: <laughs> you know, maybe I have a cardboard cutout that I you know.
1: Talk oh I've got, deli, <laughs> I've got a deli I've got a deli fat head in here, so
2: do you do you do you talk to it? No, I
1: just look <laughs> at it, you know. I, I uh I nod with a little bit of swagger every time I score a goal in Rocket League. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you like do you like fist bump him on the chin?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I just <laughs> while I'm getting praised by everyone else with <laughs> nice shot, with their fat nice shots! Exclamation point! I uh, I just give deli a little a little nod. <laughs> so, so guys, this was a fun. Well, podcast. Well, hold on.
2: So David, do you have a? Ba- I I want to do my favorite Andy memories, and that. that oh, that, okay. That, let Let's do that as a as a way to.
1: This podcast of, is getting well, long in the tooth. It, 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 I know we're almost done, but
2: okay. So to, to, is that cool, Tom? Sign us yeah, out yeah. with your yeah. favorite Andy memory. Yeah, go ahead, uh, David. Uh, you want to kick that off?
3: I don't really have any specific favorite Andy memory. It's just the fact that he's been there for so long. And actually, no, I, I'm lying about that. What it, I think it was the first season when he had Kyrie. Whenever Andy was like in the top, like top five for assists for centers, that was a pretty great time because Andy just made the offense run really well. And the Cavs were kind of watchable then. Like he was the lone bright spot for a couple of years. I don't know. I wish I had something better. I, no, no, that's good stuff. Like I don't know. Andy's just—he's just, just been there. He's like a solid guy. Like you know, you can rely on him whenever he gets minutes,
2: and can stay healthy.
1: <laughs> well, yes, but I mean, whatever. In some
2: ways, I always I feel like we've lost the Gipper. <laughs> What about you,
1: Tom? You know, my my lasting memory of Andy, I guess is going to be two things. One is going to be on those Cavs teams that weren't very good offensively, how he could track down maybe like three or four offensive rebounds on the same possession. Um, Mm -hmm. And with each subsequent one, the crowd would just get like more jacked up to the point where they would stand and give a standing ovation because it was just like. No matter what, Berejah was going to find a way to like tip the ball to himself and get the offensive rebound. So just that, those kinds of sequences, um, I'm going to remember. And I'm also going to remember uh, uh, guys like KG and, and Rasheed Wallace trying to kind of bully him and that he never, uh, you know, he always harassed him and he always bodied him. And even though those were two of the, you know, best power forwards to play the game, um, he got under their skin for sure. And uh, and I think he was effective against them. He at least got them out of their element a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm also going to remember the second half of Andy's career where he became automatic from, like, 18 feet, which is such a yeah. cool thing because for most of his career, he was such an offensive liability.
2: Yeah, and he and had then that, he had that jump shot that didn't look – that was completely unorthodox.
1: Yeah, I mean the his elbow, elbow was way uh, outside. Yeah. So those those are the things I'll remember about Marisha. Yeah.
2: So so my I, I've got three and <laughs> I'll stop at three. I had to edit myself to get to three. So we got the twelve thirteen season where Andy averaged fourteen points and fourteen point four rebounds, and there's all that talk of like. Andy's Andy's putting together an all-star season here.
1: Yeah, I think even Bill Simmons, your yeah. suddenly new hero. Uh, what do you <laughs> mean my
2: suddenly new You're hero? You're always talking about him.
1: Like His podcasts
2: I, are entertaining. No, he is the worst. <laughs> no,
3: I'm put well, Nate on this. Uh, I
2: enjoy the podcast. Just so you know, part of it, I may just be sending those emails just to troll you a little bit. <laughs> might might be the
1: motivation behind that. So I'm gonna. Any, just, anyway,
2: anyway, come on. No, come no, on,
1: you gotta on. hear this. I just someone just tweeted, "quote unquote," Anderson Barzal shoots 40 percent from three point land. <laughs> 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 so that's what's gonna happen now that he's on the Warriors, like uh, everyone else on that team.
2: He, they're gonna stick him in the corner like the Cavs did with uh with Z that one year.
1: Yeah. All right, so, so you're three. Got the
2: 13-14 season. Then yep. we've got the o nine game winner versus the Hawks
1: Hawks yeah.
2: which was fantastic uh yeah twelve thirty o nine and then my favorite memory of all time is you were talking about it against uh talking about k g mm-hmm. and it was either Andy's first or second year, and he had a play against k g and this was back in before the days. Let me take you back to a time before the days of HD television. And uh, Anderson, you had – KG was, was posting from the high post, which KG is known to do. And Anderson had, was three-quartering him, which Anderson might – if you want to show a clinic of how to three-quarter a guy in post defense, Anderson Vergel is the guy you show. And he tips it away from KG, grabs the ball, is racing down the court. KG is chasing him. Anderson goes behind the back on the dribble, or uh, on the layup, two steps behind the back, and throws it down in KG's face. And that was like, welcome to the Cavs, Anderson Vergeau. So that is my – and if somebody can find me a video of that, because I've never been able to find it. I don't know if I dreamed it, but I swear it was real. If you can find that and send it to me, there's a Cavs a blog T-shirt in it for you. So – uh, get to to the to the interwebs listeners find that video clip for me so that's my favorite yeah movie, so well
1: oh is this it
2: <laughs> this, is against,
1: this is against the bulls oh so I, think I, no no, no, I think i just found it no way no no i think
2: kg was in minnesota i know this it was is a good. sick
1: one he he was going coast to coast he faked
3: a behind was it this year that's what I saw. I'm watching the same thing as you, did. No, last
1: year. Last year. So. He fakes behind the back, and he throws down against the Bulls. That was pretty fierce. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to remember two plays from House's career. They're both against the Heat. The first, or no, one was against the Heat. One was against uh, the Raptors when Chris Bosh was there. He had a game-winning dunk on Chris Bosh. Like oh, yeah. on, like on Chris Bosh at the buzzer, which was incredible. Uh, it was like a tip dunk, and then, uh, and then when Dwayne Wade dunked on him, remember that? Where Wade <laughs> threw down on him and then like kicked him as he as he landed in Verzal in typical Verzal fashion, just went sprawling and like slammed into the. Uh, the uh uh support, the backboard support. And uh he did not he did not he did not like that. I think he I think he got into it with, with Wade that game.
2: Yeah, or that, all the how many or all how many Oh god, he's gonna take so many flops for the Warriors, it's gonna make me sick. <laughs> I, I don't wanna have root against him. It it makes me sad. So
1: Oh, well. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, and then Wade stepped over him, and Verizon was not into that. That was a vicious thought, though.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, Tom, listening to Tom watch YouTube videos does not make for a very dynamic podcast. We should probably probably close this out.
1: Go back to Nate ranting or David building himself a – a phone out of a coconut or whatever you're doing in <laughs> your island. Uh, tonight
2: was fun. We got the journey to Dion Waiter's it, it, Island tonight. To Dion Waiter's Island. And yeah. if,
3: if – God, he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> How did – there was like a point where we talked ourselves into Dion being better than Kyrie. Like at it least was, a three-week period.
2: You know why? Because he always shared <laughs> the floor with Deli
3: and Deli always set him up. <laughs> Those are some some dark Cavalier days.
2: They they really were. Yeah, no, it was it was a three month period. <laughs> yeah, God, it, it feels like the last year and a half has been like four seasons. Like you know, we talk about the four seasons LeBron was gone. I feel like the last year and a half has been like four seasons. In a way, it has. Like you had the pre-January Cavs last year, then you had the post-January Cavs. Now we have the pre-trade deadline calves, and now we have the Andy list and Add Channing Fry and his enlarged heart calves, which we didn't even talk about. What the hell happens if Channing Fry can't pass his physical?
3: We keep Jared Cunningham.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that will make everything worthwhile, I guess. i mean, what David? What's your favorite Jared Cunningham memory?
1: Oh, oh,
2: that
3: dunk! A preseason dunk. I don't know. I, Ever- you were supposed
2: to answer that. You were just supposed to
3: play the cricket noise. Can uh, Can effort be a favorite thing? He tries very hard. Great job, good effort. Yeah, it just hasn't translated yet. Like Delhi tries hard, but it translates to on the floor success. Jared tries hard, and it just I don't know. He can jump very high sometimes.
1: So let's end this podcast by, you know, um, <clears throat> Cavs the blog super commenter Nomad. Did you see that the uh, the high school where he's a coach? Um, they they were on the news because they have a player or they have a team manager with Down syndrome. And he played in on senior night, and he scored. And that was his
3: – oh, I didn't know that was his school. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: it's up by, like, Port Clinton area. But I, basically, you know, Nomad was talking about it uh, on the thread or whatever, on the recap. And then I saw um, someone else tweeting about it. I think Kurt, who used to write for Waiting for Next Year. That must have been where he went to high school. And he said, oh, this is a really awesome story from my high school. And so I just clicked on it, and then I'm I'm watching the video. I'm like, this sounds like what Nomad was saying. And so I posted the video, and he confirmed it. And he said that he was the guy wearing, like, a white suit or something. But I've watched the video, like, ten times, and I don't see anyone wearing a white suit. So, Nomad, you got to point out at what, like, minute, <laughs> second part of this. Well, way
2: to just out all our readers, Tom.
1: Well hey, I mean I don't think I don't think he minds. I just I wanna I wanna know what Nomad looks like. Oh oh I see him. There he is. There's the guy in the white suit. Okay. It's at one forty four. So if you stop it at one forty four, he's like way off in the distance. Uh, okay, you a to guy post
2: the link to that in, in-
1: There's a guy wearing an all white suit. Yeah, I will I will take a screenshot and circle it and point to it and we'll have Nomad confirmed. Man, he's looking quite dapper if I say so myself. It's really far away, but man, that looks like a nice suit.
2: That is a nice suit.
3: Wait, what so wait, what's the video? Maybe I'm thinking of a different video, because this is saying it's in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh.
3: So did he look like Don
2: Fanucci from uh from The Godfather?
1: <laughs> are you on are you on G Chat? <laughs> here, here, there's the link. Click the video and go to uh
2: It? <laughs> okay, we've 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 entered dark territory in this podcast. We really need to to end this.
1: You got you got to watch this, Nate. Just watch it. <laughs> while,
2: while we're podcasting,
1: go to go to, go to like one thirty. Okay, and some well, I'll see, like, if the, young, I'll see if
2: the audio comes in here.
1: Some like young coaches talking, and now he this guy Max Stevenson is talking, and his mom's there with him. All right,
3: share. You got to share it in our email thread. so... I,
1: can I will. So at one forty three, when it cuts back to the reporter on the court and the team's going through like warm ups, there's a there's a guy in a white all white suit with his hands on his <laughs> hips on the left side. I bet that is Nomad because he said he was in a white suit. Well. that's a great story by the way i'm really proud of uh nomad and his team i, I miss the, the white whole, suit so the whole I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take your word for it just pause well, it at pause it at I went to 143
2: i did not see anyone in a white suit pause it pause it <laughs> this, I is, to some, see this, this is some fantastic podcasting action right here
1: all right where are you at david are you on I'm right, on I'll, Gmail right now. Send, it, right, send I'll, it. I'll just I'll just post it. I'll be the voice to reason in this.
3: I've seen
2: the moms every day commercial three times now. Though, <laughs> damn it! There it goes I again.
1: F- I feel like I'm missing out on all sorts of stuff
2: right now. You are missing out on nothing.
1: <laughs> okay, I just sent it in the email. Do you see it, David? Refreshing. All right, I'm going to click it right now. Yeah. Now go to one like 44 and pause it.
2: You know, I'm 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 cutting this whole thing out for
1: bonus coverage <laughs> we're not putting this in the podcast. No, you got to put it in. No man needs to know that we spent half the podcast <laughs> trying to find him
3: in a video.
2: One forty three.
3: Oh, I was watching the wrong video. There's another video that's sort oh, of Oh, my is. lord.
2: I, I I can't see. Okay, Nate. Oh, way back there in the <laughs> yeah, back, you see that? In the Miami yeah, Vice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Oh, okay. I see him. Wow. I
1: told you he was way in the back.
2: He's sporting the Don Johnson sport coat and a T-shirt look.
1: Yeah, he looks like a awesome basketball coach.
2: He does
1: that with the Whoa. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, he looks he looks professional. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I think that we gotta we gotta confirm. Hopefully no man I he think he listens to all our pods, so he's gotta confirm that that's him. <laughs>
3: well he used to. But,
1: <laughs> put, this the, put this in the summary. Just ask in the summary of the podcast. Okay. Jeez yeah, well. Uh, all right, Guys, this is a fun podcast. The Cavs have now won six straight. They've uh and that include they've uh they've got an impressive home win over the Spurs. They just had a dominating road win against the Thunder. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing. I, I think they still obviously got to make sure that Kevin Love can play this way when Kyrie's there. I think that's the next step. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get something out of Channing Fry. You never know. Okay,
2: so I got a question.
1: All right. To close the
2: podcast, parting shot. If Channing Fry can't play, and Anderson out De destroys the Cavs in the finals. Does David Griffin get fired?
1: <laughs>
2: yes.
3: <laughs>
1: Probably.
3: Da-
2: David, I know you got to stick up for your fellow Davids.
1: but Well, okay, Nate, can I just point out something? We saw on display tonight. What has tonight, ever stopped you before? What we <laughs> saw on display tonight, J.R. Smith completely dominating for stretches of that game, and Dion Waiters looked like someone should just—I mean, he should just like un- uninstall. I mean, he, he is so bad.
2: Sam Presty's going to drive him to a farm upstate.
1: Yeah. So I mean, we gotta give we gotta give Griff credit for that one because that.
2: Well, oh no, no, I said that. I said during the thing, I said to trade Dion Waiters for Shump Jr a uh, first-round pick, like, what What incriminating evidence did he have on Sam <laughs> Presti? Up. And if you guys saw up. Sam Presti, and someone pointing this out in the podcast today, he looked like Herr Gruppenhofer Sam Presti. I mean, he looked like...
0: He looked like... He's he ultimate gone. hit, sir.
2: If, if you've seen the show... Um, the man in the high castle. He looked like he worked for the American Reich. And I'm not making any aspersions. I'm just saying he <laughs> had that fashion about him. And, that and
1: fascist fashion.
2: <laughs> you, maybe he's getting ready for the Donald Trump era. I don't know. Oh.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, we got to go. We got to go before <laughs> this devolves into just Tom and I yelling at each other about politics. Yeah.
1: Coles, <laughs> congratulations on your Super Bowl win. Uh, we haven't mentioned you yet in this podcast. I'm sure by now you're just uh, poking your Nate Voodoo doll because he's been uh, he's been down on I don't know. You've been down on stuff. I don't know exactly what, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows in Nate Land.
2: Sorry no, to, no, uh, it's it, it's not. But especially I not. He I, got, I don't root for. He laundry. Just got
1: divorced. He just got divorced.
2: <laughs> I root for the yeah. name on the back of the jersey as much as the name
3: you're, on the front. You're gonna buy a Bears jersey?
2: Oh, I have one. No,
3: I know. I I mean, I'm I'm gonna probably buy a Warriors one. I, I told I need, you that story. I, I
2: found a, one unused in a thrift shop for five bucks.
1: So I've got a LeBron jersey. I mean, I'm talking like real jerseys. I have a LeBron jersey, a Mark Price jersey and a Varejan jersey. Those are my three jerseys. I gotta get a Deli jersey.
2: I gotta get a J.R. Smith jersey. How can I not have a Smith jersey?
1: Yeah, I kind of want a J.R. Smith jersey.
2: Well, I mean, it's my last name. But I just,
1: well, yeah, but I just wanted (laughs) to say Pipe. I just want to say Pipe. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh,
1: man. Alright, guys. As always. It's a fun pod. (laughs) Go Cavs. Go Cavs
2: stay tuned for a little bonus coverage of caps blog podcast we have a discussion of the chucky e. cheese uh robots and a, a little bit of basketball movies of the 90s enjoy that was crazy
3: I can't yeah. believe we talked about that video for that long. No, <laughs> I really hope that's Nomad. I, think I really do, is. too. I, I think
1: I, it I, is. The, the he snow. said something. No, he said something about a white suit. That dude's wearing a white suit. <laughs> that's that is like not, the type of person. That, that is
2: not a suit. That is a that is the Don Johnson sport coat and T-shirt look. That's like what all
3: my uncles wear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they are Clevelanders, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. it's the oh, uh, who's the guy in the Christmas Vacation? Uncle oh, Eddie, uh, cousin Eddie. <laughs> yeah, cousin Eddie. I
2: went, I went for Christmas as cousin Eddie with a black dickie and a white sweater, uh, with my hair slicked back and my, I, my pants up real high. Um,
1: cousin Eddie's the and, best,
2: and and you could see you could see actually see my nipples through the. Uh, <laughs>
3: I'm I'm, I'm like worried if I did that I'd actually enjoy wearing that.
2: (laughs) Well, and then then you wouldn't be allowed within a hundred yards of a school or a Chuck E. Cheese, so...
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where a kid can be a kid. What? That was the tagline for Chuck E. Cheese.
2: Oh. Where
1: a kid can be a kid.
2: Uh, where I guess I you weren't. And, I guess yeah, you weren't a kid in yeah. the '80s. No, no, like no. I, was. I it, it was sung with a different melody from what oh. I remember it. So, uh, yeah. I mean, how oh. cre- how creepy were the animatronic little band? Okay, so so
1: they weren't all animatronic actually. And uh, I had a high school Spanish teacher who I don't want to speak ill of past <laughs> teachers, but let's just say. Most students did not take her seriously, and she got kind of, like, openly mocked by lots of students for various reasons. You know, kids are cruel. But then we found out that she moonlighted as the – well, actually, here's how we found this out. She told us that she moonlighted as the Chuck E. Cheese rat that's like an I, actual. I've never even.
2: Chuck you? E. Cheese that had live performers. Like every other one I've ever been to.
1: She was all wore her the suit. Yep. Oh, the wow. Chuck E.
2: Cheese
3: by me had live performers.
1: Yeah. Wow. And no, we is, didn't have. That is had, disturbing. We had the animatronics, like Nate was saying, but there were some that had <laughs> people in there, and my Spanish teacher was one of them. Do you guys remember Mark's Fun Pizza Place? Oh hell yes, I do. Uh, the one at uh, in Southland that was yeah, Chuck E. Cheese. Well, yeah. that I, was I, oh, Chuck E. Cheese, and then it switched. Dude, I'd, so I'd we love had. That place. Like
3: that.
2: So I went to college in Fairbanks, Alaska, and there was a restaurant. It was a Chinese restaurant, and Chuck E. Cheese closed down when a, a big oil depression and the price of oil dropped, and so the whole state went into a recession, and Chuck E. Cheese closed down and. A Chinese restaurant a few years later moved in, but they never changed the decor. <laughs> so you would be, like, eating Chinese food, and you'd be looking down at the Chuck E. Cheese logo, and I swear they never cleaned the carpet. So just over the years, Chuck e. would just get dingier and dingier and dingier.
1: Dude, David, I used to go to Mark's Funtime Pizza Palace every Monday.
2: The premise of the movie is that Kevin Bacon is a college recruiter. He's like an assistant coach, and he sees a video of some guy dunking in the background of some missions video. So he goes to Africa to recruit this guy, and um, and then he has to become a member of the tribe before they will recruit him. and And then he has to play against the other tribe, and win with uh, with the the basketball team from this tribe in order to get this guy to go to the US to go to college with him.
1: Wasn't his name like James Dolan or something like that? Jimmy, I pulled up the cover. This might be the most
3: racist movie <laughs> I've ever seen. Like just the cover. Look, I'm sending you the cover. This is ridiculous. well. Not only the best part about it is
1: yeah, Jimmy Kevin Dolan. Bacon,
2: yeah, his name is Kevin Jimmy Bacon Dolan. is a basketball player, and the dude is like five five. Yeah. It, 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 it had to be this like ridiculous. the uh, Tom Cruise volleyball scene in Top Gun, where they had to get a ramp for him to spike <laughs> off of.
1: Man. There were a lot of basketball movies in the nineties. You had uh Well Hoosier's was Hoosier's made in the eighties? Yeah.
2: Hoosier's was eighties, yeah.
1: They had the air up there, Space Jam, Shaq. Did
2: you uh, ever see Kazam? Uh, he- Heaven is a Playground.
1: No, there was White Man Can't Jump, that was nineties. Yeah. Heaven is he got,
2: a playground. He got
1: game. He got game was nineties.
2: Basketball diaries too. Basketball diaries.
1: Love and basketball.
2: Air, Air Bud was, was 90s. Oh, Love and basketball was the odds. Yeah. Blue chips Blue, Blue Chips, chips was yes.
3: 90s. Blue chips was a huge basketball movie. Which one had Ray Allen in it? Oh, that uh, was uh, He
1: Got Game. He Got Game, yeah. Also had Jim Brown in it.
3: Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of basketball
2: movies in the nineties and now yeah. So did you guys Check out that now movie I recommended the other day called uh, On the Shoulders of Giants. No. You got to check that movie out. They've been playing on NBA TV. It's okay. about the Harlem Rens, uh, the Harlem Renaissance, which was the first African-American traveling team, or one of the first. And they were kind of the rival of the Globetrotters, but they were a lot yeah. better than the Globetrotters. Yeah. And they were a big rival of the Boston Celtics, the uh-huh. original Celtics. It was – a and it's a, it's by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, it's a really good movie. Nice. So yeah, you should check it out. So.
1: Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blog podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger.